I, in society, as a white person, I know that my life matters and that wherever I go, there's a way in which this skin gives me privilege and protection and belonging in a way that does not happen to people who look different from me. Welcome to Love Your Neighbor. In this episode, Dr. Karen Merritt speaks with Reverend Ann Kirchmeyer. Hello friends, today is Saturday, the 19th of September, and I am going to be having a conversation about racism, but it's going to be a little bit different this time from the way it has been done before. My good friend Gail Roberts House recommended to me that I take the questions that I've been asking about race and also ask them of white people. So I thought that if I were going to do that, I should probably go first as the interviewee before I um, ask other people to do that. And so my friend and parishioner Karen Merritt has graciously agreed to be the interviewer this time. How are you today? Well, uh, we talked a little bit about this. I'm, I'm a little anxious, actually. Um, I care a great deal about this conversation. And so I, I want to do a, a good job, of course, talking about racism. Um, it's something that I am passionate about. And I also um, want to be courageous enough to uh, be honest about the racism that I'm aware of inside myself. I grew up in this society and um, I think racism is in the air and the water and affects all of us. And um, there's a way in which that's kind of freeing. If I assume that racists are bad people and everybody else is a good person, then any bit of racism I find in myself can be really hard to deal with. But if I think that, as I do, racism is all around us, then when I see it in myself, I can recognize that I've been immersed and steeped in that culture and mm -hmm. hopefully will be able to continue to learn and grow. So I'm I'm grateful to be having this conversation and um, still a little bit nervous. Gotcha, gotcha. What is the current situation like for you, your family, and the con your congregation? It's hard even to know where to start with that question. I, I feel heart sick about the ongoing um, incidences that are, you know, so evident about racism. I mean, I, I certainly think about loss of life and deep injury, like Jacob Blake and Michael Brown and George Floyd. I mean, there's just a, a litany of names. Um, and so I'm, I'm aware that, well, actually, I'm very aware that these things have been happening for many, many years, not mm -hmm. just you know, in the last few years, not just in 2020, but for whatever reason, white people are paying attention more than we once were. And so I, in this current situation, I find myself thinking and praying a lot about the opportunities there are for me to learn and grow, for my congregation to learn and grow. Um, 
you know, I'm so aware. I just finished uh, a couple of weeks, or actually a couple of months ago, a Bible study with a group of women where we spent 12 weeks looking at the Old Testament prophets. And boy, in the Old Testament prophets, do we hear a lot about justice and God calling God's people to act for justice and speak up about injustice and oppression. And so I, I, I feel like we as Christians are uniquely equipped with scripture to speak into some of these things. And I, my, my prayer is that I will have the courage to do so and that as a congregation, we will too. Okay, all right. How have you personally experienced racism? So that is a fascinating question, and it's one that I was really pretty anxious about when I was thinking <laughs> at the questions I was asking. I, I'm actually going to begin, Karen, with some definitions that are helpful to me, because I think there are lots of definitions of racism, and so it matters what exactly we're talking about. So I'm actually going to start with prejudice, which is prejudging, which is making a decision about something or somebody when we don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that prejudice is part of the human condition, that exactly. we all do it. Um, and so to be aware of that inside myself, um, you know, what prejudices do I have that are shaping things? So that's how I understand prejudice. And then there is discrimination, which is how I act on the prejudices that I have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm very capable of being discriminated against. Um, I, you know, as a woman, that happens sometimes, mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know, what people think about women. Um, as, a, as a young child, I went to schools intentionally from my mother's perspective that were um, part black and part white. She really wanted me to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And it, it, worked, it worked pretty well until my sixth grade year okay. when um, I entered a new middle school where there had been an enormous amount of white flight. And I was the only, I was the only white girl in my homeroom. And um, I was fat and I, I liked school and I was in a system where school wasn't that important. Anyway, I became um, the target of a lot of um, discrimination because I was an easy target, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, I was kicked in the hallways and um, kids were really mean to me. I remember getting slapped on the street once by this, you know, this, this little gaggle of black girls who were following me. So I've been discriminated against. But um, the third definition that I wanted to look at that I understand is that racism is discrimination plus power. And in our society, in the American society, power is almost always held by white people, particularly by white males. And so by that definition, white people can't be the uh, victim or the um, affected person on the Mm -hmm. bad end of racism because what I experienced, even though it was miserable when I was in sixth grade, um, you know, as I got older, I'm white. My life got easier. The fact that I 
go everywhere with this white skin made my life way easier than it would be if I were walking through life with black skin. And it's because of an inherent unequal balance of power. So I'm, so when I'm talking about racism, I'm looking at it as something that is defined by power along with discrimination and prejudice. And so while I can't ever say that I have been on the receiving end of racism, I have been on the more complicit end, on the, on the end of participating in this structure because I was raised in the society and, and it's inherent in me. So three just specific examples I can think of you know, inside myself. Um, I, I was in a seminary class uh, that was talking about things in society and I remember our professor saying to us, just as a top of the head question, what does an American look like? And what I thought of right away was a little white girl. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had thought of that, I felt terrible that that's what I thought of. Um, and I actually, I, I was sitting next to my friend, Melinda, who's black. And I said to her, I can't believe it. What I immediately thought of was a little white girl. And Melinda said, so did I. Mm-hmm. You know, which was very telling to me that it, in, in my sub and unconscious When I think about America and Americans, I think of somebody white. And so I see that in myself as part of the racism that I've been steeped in. And then Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to admit this to you, a doctor, um, (laughs) but I have had occasions where, like I had a dermatologist a few years ago who was a black man. And until he walked into the office, I was expecting Mm -hmm. my doctor to be a white guy. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, again, I, I, in that moment, thought, what am I, what, what's that about? What am I, you know, what am I thinking? Why would I expect a doctor to be white as opposed to black? Well, that's inherent racism in me that I, you know, was, was paying attention to. And then um, even more recently, when my friend Gail said to me that she thought I should also be interviewing white people, I thought, oh, this isn't going to go well, um, <laughs> you know, that, that um, but part of racism that well-intentioned, which I hope I am, white people often have, is expecting Black people to do the work of trying to overcome racism, you know, that saying, hey, can you educate me about racism, rather than owning that we both are in this society where racism is incredibly helpful to people who look like me. Um, And so trying to take ownership for it and ownership for my own learning. So anyway, that, so when I think about racism and how it's affected me, it's not as the, um, the person who is being hurt or crushed, it's not that it's not hurting me because it hurts all of us when we're not in good and equal relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I, I'm not being perpetrated against um, in the way that 
that's how I see racism, that it's perpetrated against people. Okay, okay. What is the significance of uh, Black Lives Matter for you? So actually, Karen, something you said in a different meeting really, really struck me about this. You, I'm sure you remember this, but you, you told a story of, it was summertime and you were driving and your car windows were open and you were going past a protest, a peaceful protest of some sort where there were white mm -hmm. people who were holding Black Lives Matter signs. And mm -hmm. as I remember what you said, as you were driving by, a white person looked into your car and said to you, you matter. Yep. And I just thought, right, that's what Black Lives Matter is about. I, um, in society, as a white person, I know that my life matters mm -hmm. and that wherever I go, there's a way in which this skin gives me privilege and protection and belonging in a way that does not happen to people who look different from me. And so when I hear Black Lives Matter, it doesn't mean to me that my life doesn't matter or that my skin or that white lives don't matter. It's that Black lives for so long have not been treated as though they matter. So when I hear Black Lives Matter, for Black people, I hear it as an affirmation. Yes, you matter. And for white people, I hear it as a reminder of something we need to remember, that this Black life matters as much as my life matters. So that's, when I hear it, that's what I think of. Okay, all righty. What do you feel that white Christians can do to be allies? So I'm, I'm learning a lot about that, but here are the things that, that are coming to mind for me. Listening to people of color and their experiences and not dismissing them when we haven't had that experience. I'm, you know, I'm still learning this, but in the workplaces that I've served, I've always been a white person and been accepted. And my black friends and colleagues have not always had that experience. And so mm -hmm. rather than my dismissing it or thinking, well, they accepted me, why, you know, I, I don't believe you when you say you're not accepted, to really take to heart what I'm hearing and listen. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things I'm learning is how incredibly important it is for white people to do the work of educating ourselves. There are tons of books out there and um, Netflix documentaries and other documentaries and you know friends we can talk to or if we don't have friends who are people of color, learning to develop mm -hmm. the friendships, but educating ourselves. And then being introspective, being willing to say, what's going on inside me? Why do I feel that? Why did I say that? What, what core beliefs are shaping how I'm interacting with people? And if I, if I run into something that I don't see as good or a great example or something that shows me made in the image of God and how I'm mm -hmm. treating somebody else, am I willing to go down that path and, and do something about it? Um, two others, one of them is to avoid 
shutting down the conversation. And again, as I'm learning, there are all kinds of ways that we white people are good at doing that because it's an awkward conversation. And so some of them are even things like saying, I don't see color. Well, let's yeah. shut down the conversation. I mean, I actually, you know, like if I said to you, I don't see color, I'm thinking you might be thinking, I'm black. You don't, you don't see my black skin. Um, and and exactly. if, I don't, if I don't see race, if I don't see color, then how can I see the wrong of racism if I don't even acknowledge that we don't look like each other? So thinking about the ways that we maybe subconsciously, but shut down the conversation or when somebody says, um, well, you know, I have a black um, brother-in-law. That is great, but it doesn't mean that I've learned everything I need to know about race. And so um, trying to ask ourselves, am I engaging in this conversation? Or am I, you know, if I think race, if I think that if you have racist feelings, you're a terrible person, then um, I'm always going to shut down any conversation that threatens to show anything about me and my own, um, the, the racist things that I've just acquired by living in society. So the last thing, the last thing I thought about was courage, being courageous. Um, so those are my thoughts. All right, all righty. Because you basically answered the, um, the the second to the last question. Anything particular that you had to, uh, like to say, and you have said it well. Um, so I'm going to go on to what, if anything, gives you hope in this situation. So there actually are a number of things. I feel like I'm noticing much more than I used to, lots of articles in the newspaper that talk about inequality. I mean, just kind of flat out. There was an article yesterday about corporate boards and how statistics show that they are incredibly white. Um, there was an article a few weeks ago about the uh, PPP loans to help small businesses. And statistics show that they were much more focused on white people than on mm -hmm. people of color. Um, there was uh, something I saw recently about appraisals, um, you know, people's houses, and that mm -hmm. if you're black skinned, the same house will get appraised differently than if you're white skinned. So all of those are bad news, but on the other hand, they're being reported, right. not ignored. And so that gives me hope. Um, that I have black friends and colleagues who are willing to engage in that conversation mm -hmm. with me, that gives me hope. And then I do see white people, people in our congregation, yep. um, friends of mine, trying really hard to learn about racism and respond in new and different ways. And so I, that gives me hope that there are folks who are modeling behaviors that I want to learn, uh, parishioners of mine who are doing that. Um, okay. That gives me hope. It makes me feel like I'm not alone trying to work on this. Um, and not that, I mean, I, I know that I'm not alone, but it's very nice to have a network. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. With that being said, then we're at the end of the question. So I'm going to go ahead and close out with a prayer at this time. Infinite Father, we come at this time to say thank you for this day and thank you for this conversation. Lord, continue to strengthen all of us to be able to sit down calmly with love and compassion in our hearts and that intellectual curiosity that we need to have to have the true and deep and rich conversation about racism in America and how we all together will overcome it. Lord, be with us throughout this day and throughout the days to come as we continue to walk together to be unified in love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Holy God, I thank you for all of the learning that is happening right now in my life and in the life of others. I pray for courage and compassion and a willingness to be vulnerable and candid. I ask with Karen for your blessing on our country, on people of every color, every race, that we may see in one another your presence. Lord, we gather these prayers and we pray together in the words that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be, thy, be name. thy name. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come, come, thy will be, thy done, will be done on earth, on as, earth it as it is in heaven. Give us this give day, us this day our, daily our daily bread and forgive and us give our trespasses as, as we forgive we those forgive who trespass against, against us. And lead us not lead us into temptation, temptation, but deliver us from evil. from evil. For thine is the kingdom, kingdom. and the power, and the glory, the glory. forever and ever. ever. Amen. Amen. So, listener, what are you thinking and feeling right now? Are Anne's experiences similar or different from your own? Why is that, and what does it mean? Anne was intentional about defining racism for herself. She spoke about shifting to view racism as inherent to society and not clear-cut good and evil acts, because otherwise it would be much harder to identify and acknowledge racism within her own life. Racism is inherent to society, like in the way that she instinctively thought of an American as a little white girl, but so did the black person next to her. What does that say about culture and society? Anne also emphasized that racism can only come when there is discrimination from a place of power, a place historically held by white people. What do you think of Anne's definitions? How do you define racism in your life? Anne went back to the precedent of white people holding the authority to explain why Black Lives Matter is meaningful as an affirmation of what should be evident in society but has not been and is not yet. And finally, she reminds us all to be courageous. 
to do the work together, no matter our skin color, because this is our society and a problem we cannot ignore. Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your Neighbor. This show is produced by St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, Newport News, Virginia.